0: live from detroit it's the lowdown on motown sports podcast with your hosts dane williams junko Bodie, and bob Danielli. if you're looking for the best present to take to your mother-in-law's birthday party you're in the wrong place dude we talk michigan sports here it's real it's raw and there are no punches pulled what happens when you put a gambler a rocket scientist and a radio jock in the same room well we're all about to find out and it probably won't be pretty But whatever happens, it will be lively. So grab a brew, sit yourself in your favorite rocker, and take notes. If you're some kind of nutcase, the boys are back in town and talking about the stuff that matters, Motown Sports. So let's get to it, people. Here's the host of today's show, Boogie Bob Danielli. Hey,
1: y'all. How you doing? Happy New Year. Thank you for taking us along with whatever you may be doing in this post-holiday season. Welcome to the first podcast of our second season. Wow, we made it. They said it wouldn't last. We are into 2023 and the start of our second season of the Lowdown on Motown Sports. I am your host, Bob Danielli, sort of a traffic cop to the two other people that we have here. First, (laughs) welcome the creator of the Lowdown on Motown Sports Empire, Mr. Junko Bodie. Hey, hey hey Robert welcome back from Las Vegas. Thank you very much. You had a good time. <laughs> Didn't lose a lot of money and that's that's a win for me. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And of course, the legend and ladies and gentlemen, he completes us.
2: This is Mr. <laughs> Dane Williams. Hey buddy. Hey Bobby, I'm doing great, man. I, the only way I could be doing any better is if I was a TCU or a Georgia fan at this point. <laughs> ah, yeah,
3: that's great. Hey Dane, I just want to say you had me at hello.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Well, I'm glad mm-hmm. you got the reference there, Junko.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's hard to be upbeat when we watch that game, and I'm talking about the Fiesta Bowl. So, I mean, I don't want it to be a eulogy. Let's call it more of a what? Uh, an autopsy or a post mortem?
3: <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's a great way to look at it. It's so. Working.
1: I want to get uh, how you guys feel about it. I mean, where did it start to go south? I have my thoughts, but Junko, why don't you go first?
3: Well, first of all, kudos to Michigan on a terrific season. Right, thirteen no and one, six points from playing for a national championship. I mean, by all measures, one of the one of the greatest seasons in Michigan football history. This would have been the greatest team in Michigan football history had they won these last two games, without a doubt. Oh yeah, yeah. With, I mean, given the wins and uh, how they won and the rankings of the teams that they played. So, yes, we are going to take them apart here, but we don't lose sight of the fact that this was an outstanding season for the Maze and Blue. Now look at the game, and, Dane, I know, again, you and I watched this game together. You know, they kind of got off to a rocky start and were never really able to get their footing after that. They just couldn't quite get over the mountain for whatever reason. But, I mean, this was a game of big plays, right, Hmm. on both sides of the ball, TCU making big plays, Michigan making big plays and not making big plays. That fumble at the goal line was huge, which came after a bad call by the officials, at least a very controversial call. Here's what bothers me about replay, right? If you've got replay, you've got to be able to use it correctly. You can see that when Wilson went to the ground, he was juggling the ball. And when he hit the goal line with his butt, that ball was in the air, right? It was called a touchdown by the guy standing 10 yards away, and then replay takes it over, and at the very least, you cannot tell whether it's a touchdown or not, but it probably was a touchdown, yet they overturn it, and Michigan fumbles on the next play, and that ends up being the difference in the game. Now, that's not TCU's fault, but again, it seems like in every one of Michigan's big games, they get some boneheaded referee making a call that really goes against them and really hurts them. And that was the one in this game. First of all, I just wanted to get that off my chest because that's been bothering me since the end of this game. Uh, but I think I, I the, still
2: see replays in my head. I mean, uh, I, I think, when I, at night, I'm still
3: seeing replays of that stupid thing.
1: Didn't the replays take away the calls, though? I mean, I think the refs, in real time, called it the way they saw it. Yeah, and so, it. both ways. And
3: I thought, at the very least, they were inconclusive. At the very least, yeah, it did. Right, hard to understand how that happens to us again. But again, it did. So, yeah, there we right. go. That was standing, handing the ball to Mullins and that bonehead fourth and one play they made on the first drive or fourth and two. And you talking
2: about play. the reverse? Yeah, it was like a double reverse and a pass. Yeah, double was, reverse, a pass. Yeah. Was supposed to go to JJ, but they had that. Oh, so they had that covered so well. I give TCU credit for that. They had that thing covered perfectly. I mean, J.J. was not open.
1: It developed a little too slow.
3: But Michigan wasn't ready to run that play. Ronnie Bell was dancing around like he didn't know what was going on. Then they run the play, and the back knows he's not going to make it. So what does he do? He takes a 15-yard loss or whatever it was instead of throwing it over McCarthy's head. Right? Right. I think that was Loveland. These kids, they've got to know what to do in the case something happens. I mean, the the play was not ready to be used, much less used on a very crucial play of the game. I just really was disappointed overall with the Michigan coaching staff in this game. I mean, from mentor not being prepared to defend Johnston to the five men in the box against the TCU offense and running plays. I mean, there were a lot of things. I looked at this and I thought, did they even watch any film? of TCU this season? I mean, it looked like they hadn't watched film, and that, to me, was very bothersome.
1: Seemed well. a little unprepared, and by the time they got their footing, it was too late. It's amazing that it was just a six-point difference.
3: It's a credit to the Michigan offense. I yeah, you, I mean, I, we just couldn't hold them. We couldn't stop TCU. Yeah, here's well, here's a couple stats for you, Bob. Dugan was 14-29 for 225 yards in the game with two interceptions. A pretty hmm. pedestrian stat, right? Exactly. JJ's twenty for thirty-four for three hundred and forty-three yards. Again, with two touchdowns. Unfortunately, they were both pick-sixes. But overall, pretty much in the passing game, we outplayed them. Do you have Dugan's running yards there? Yeah, he only ran for fifty-seven, I think. Yeah, they seem like they were huge. JJ ran for fifty-two, I think, and he ran for fifty-seven. All right, okay. Yeah, I mean, so it was Dugan we were worried about and Johnston. But here's the stat on Johnston. He had six receptions for 163 yards. Yeah. You know, the one guy on that receiving core that you knew you had to stop and you let him get 163 yards. I'm thinking to myself, what is the coaching staff doing with those 30 days? If there's one guy in that team who should not have beaten us, it should have Mm -hmm. been Quentin Johnston. Junko,
2: we said the same thing
3: with Purdue and we let. (laughs)
2: It's yeah, <laughs> like it. all season, we know who we need to stop, and we let them get big yards anyway. I mean, Right. Uh,
3: Whatever happened to the defenses where you took players out of the game and made them beat you another way, right? Yeah. I, I just don't understand the coaching staff and what they thought they were doing there. How they let Quentin Johnson run across the field and only have a trail defender is beyond me. Yeah. Right? I mean, you could say that DJ missed the tackle, but DJ shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. It's a dereliction, in my opinion. And, and I love the coaching staff. Don't get me wrong. But I think they really screwed the pooch in this game.
1: Well, that was my thought. Like you just said, Junko, is that what did they do with those 30 days? I mean, they appeared unprepared. Yeah. What was the name of the TCU defender? I can't even remember what position he played. Guy that had a big, big game. And he was all over the field.
3: Yeah, the guy who had the four sacks. And I forget. Yeah, and I yeah. can't remember his name. But yeah, I mean, the guy we didn't really even talk about last right. week in our game prep. Again, our offensive line did not have a very good game either. But he was the TCU's
1: defense. I mean, we should yeah. know. I should have looked it up. But I mean, he was the TCU defense in my mind. He yeah. came up with some big plays.
3: But I mean, again, Michigan, kudos to them and coming back the way that they did. You know, they played hard in the second half. They seemed to sleepwalk through the first half. The question I would ask you guys is, do you think Michigan lost the game? Or did TCU and go out and win the game? Can I split my answer in halves?
1: I think Michigan lost the first half, and TCU stayed strong and won the second half. I mean,
2: I think, Dane? Yeah, uh, TCU, I think TCU won the game. We made some mistakes, but they did too. When I mean, mm-hmm. you look at it, you know, it's three turnovers on each side, right? Two interceptions for each team, fumble loss for each team. So from that perspective, unfortunately, the two interceptions by them were pick sixes, you know, but they beat us in the running game. That's our bread and butter, right? And uh, they more than doubled us in the running game. And if it wasn't for that first play, the Don went for, uh, you know, 54 yards, right? If it wasn't for that, we might have been held under 100 yards rushing. So a little ugly, but, you know, I looked at different statistics. We led in first downs. We led in total yards. Passing yards for play, we led their penalties. We had five for 28. They had seven for 85. So still we had it there and we won the time of possession by over five minutes. And then you look at Rod Moore. We thought Rod Moore made some miss and he did. He missed some uh, key tackles that could have helped us out. Statistically, he had 12 tackles. Nine solo. He led the team. Actually, he led both teams a number of tackles and number of solo tackles. So,
3: yeah, from the safety position,
2: which tells yeah. you a little bit about what was going on up front, right? Yeah, exactly. Not much. Yeah, the linebackers were non existent in that game. Yeah. Hey, which so you know, what, we said
3: all year long, though, that the linebacking core was where Michigan needed this biggest upgrade. And I thought that really played out in this game. Although, I got to tell you, I don't think Minter put those linebackers in great positions to make plays because, you know, they got one linebacker in the middle of the field and they got the other guy standing out playing pass defense. Maybe that's why we shut down their passing game and they ran all over us. I don't know. What were you going to say, Bob?
1: Well, I was going to say that, you know, it is a game sometimes where the breaks have to go your way. And I don't think Michigan got many breaks at all. You know, one on the controversial touchdown that wasn't was – didn't our possession come from a turnover? And then they spotted the ball almost six yards. yards. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe six
2: yards back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that was all he needed to complete that pass. I mean, it's all coulda, woulda, shouldas. But those are the type of things where you go, this may not be their day because of the breaks. Thanks for filling the blank in there, Dane. I was really vague (laughs) about it. And I hope you guys would remember. What yeah, yeah. That about.
2: was because the next play was the pass to Roman Wilson. Yeah, yeah. they called that uh, was short. I don't think so. But called yeah. short, but yeah, <laughs> called short. <laughs> After replay right. called short, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, oh, well.
3: Yeah, and I said before the game, and you know, if I had to pick three things that I would like to see Michigan win at, I said I wanted them to win the rushing battle, which they didn't. I wanted them to win the turnover battle, which they didn't. And I wanted to have favorable officiating, which we didn't get. Mm-hmm. So Going into that game, I thought we would win two of those three, and it turned out we were 0-3 on them. So that's the perfect storm for losing a football game. Sad to say you were correct. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the only thing I had correct all weekend, I think.
2: You know, it's kind of uh, interesting. I uh, I look back at our projections, and Bob, you weren't with us, so was Mitch. But we all picked Michigan to win. Mitch actually, you know, he take the 7.5 points with TCU. Ooh. He actually won because he said 31-27 Michigan. But both Junko and myself, we were like, he was 42-27, I was 42-28. And if you take all, you know, the bad call on the Wilson TD, that's seven points, uh, not kicking a field goal the very first time. Right. Three points, two pick six, 14 points at 24 points. You take that <laughs> off of 51, 27 points. Without that, <laughs> we were right on target.
1: Well, you know what? I had a sales manager that once said, if wishes and butts were candies and nuts, Nuts. we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's
2: just it. That's it.
3: My Christmas was ruined. I just want to say that up front. Yeah. So (laughs) I did not have a Merry Christmas. So now we have to look
1: ahead to next season for the Wolverines, and we won't break it down now, but this ugly subject has reared its head once again about Mr. Jim Harbaugh. Should he stay or should he go? And again, I have not heard anything but conjecture at this point, nothing concrete, but it's always this. What is the gain here for this type of information becoming public?
2: Tell me. I don't know if there's any gain here. I mean, when we were in the working world, we are always looking, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's any different with head coaches. And I think he liked the NFL. So I don't know. I, I think he wants to come back next year. You know, it sounds like Quorum's coming back. I mean, could have a really good team next year again. So I don't know. But then I saw something interesting today. Hey, are they grooming Mike Hart for hmm. the head coach job? And so giving Jimbo the green light to go. I don't know. I think he stays, but is this just <laughs> internet fodder junko?
3: Well, you know, John U Bacon said today, and John U Bacon is about as close to the program as it gets, and he's a personal friend of Jim Harbaugh's. Mm-hmm. He said the NFL possibility is real. Now there's three teams out there that need a coach the Colts, the Packers, and the Broncos, right? Harbaugh obviously has a history with the Colts by sending his quarterback there a few years back. Right. Uh, Here's the thing with Jim Harbaugh. I think we all agreed we would love Jim Harbaugh to be our long-term coach for the University of Michigan. We think, I think he gives the team an identity. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he knows how to hire a coaching staff. I think that he's got the right idea about NIL and that it should be transitional, not transactional. I like all the things that he's doing. The one complaint I have about Jim is that he really has hurt us in the recruiting area with this NFL flirtations, right? And if this is something that we're going to have to deal with year in and year out, I hope he goes because I want Jim Harbaugh to be the coach at Michigan, but I want him to be the coach at Michigan. I'm tired of all this flirtations. I know recruits are scared off by it. You combine that with the NIL issues that Michigan has. It's bad for recruiting, and recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. I don't care how good the coaching staff is. So I would say to Harbaugh, you know, shit or get off the pot. Let's get going here. Enough with this NFL talk. Every year after the end of the season, you should come out and say, "I here, let me just sell this for the world to hear. I am not going to the NFL. I am the coach the of University of Michigan. Right. And come to the University of Michigan if you, if you want the complete deal. Right? right. This thing is driving me crazy.
1: Just say it even if you just have to do it to, you know, for recruiting. Well, this, this is like, you know, Nick Saban used to do this all the time too, you know, until he finally settled into Alabama. And so it's just one of those things where, like you say, just say that you're staying. I agree with you, Junko. Well, we kind of touched on the bowl picks before, but I think Dane, you've got a recap for the whole thing. Why don't you uh, run that down for us?
2: Yeah, for the 10 picks that we made last week. And I know, Robert, you were not with us. So the final tally.
1: With the previous episode, right? The one that I was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Before the season started, we had like a couple games. You talking about
2: Louisville and Cincinnati and SMU and BYU? I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Wasabi Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Back in that one, <laughs>
1: you know, I was glued to the TV, just hoping to see, you know, some animated wasabi like at halftime or
2: something.
3: Yeah. So, so what were our records, Dane? Spit it out. Come on.
2: So, I prepared for the ten that from uh, okay. the last episode. Okay. Let's go oh, with your so preparation. So, if we want to, if we want to go back and redo everything that we picked over the whole last season, be, I can be, do that. Before
3: you go any further, let me tell you. <laughs> With the with the time period that you picked, who had the best picks?
2: <laughs> who did the best? Yeah, from the from the ten two weeks ago? No, yeah. well, the ten that you just calculated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Me. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's why he doesn't remember the other. <laughs>
3: right way. I forgot about those guys. You know, yeah, it was it was a
2: wonderful record, too. It was four, five and one. Oh, wow. Yeah, boy, we did.
3: Yeah. And that it was shows, better than Mitch or you. John. No, it shows you really know what we're talking about. <laughs> hey, about what this. was Mitch's pick
1: since he was my he, he, uh, he was my he, standard? He was three, six and one. No, well, not good. Yeah, <laughs> not. but good. that's OK. Junko he loves the Pac-12. Two, seven, 12. That's
2: why. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. OK,
1: yeah. And Junko, how did Junko do?
2: Junko was two, seven, and one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, so with the yeah. points, right? So that's considering points. If, sure. Uh, we didn't do much better if you just picked the winner, right? <laughs> I was yeah. five, and Mitch and uh, Junko were four and six if you just picked the winner. <laughs> so All right.
1: Okay. Well, good. I just wanted to see how Mitch did in my stead and if I owe him any money or anything like that. But that's okay. <laughs> 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 well, speaking of Tom Mitchell, I'll tell you what. Let's t- we'll take a break right now, and let's hear from uh, his company called Sport Hitters, and we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back.
0: So what's it like playing Sport Hitters? Whether you're at your favorite bar or just anywhere. Sport Hitters' unique challenge brackets offers players a new way to play. Sport Hitters allows you to pick your teams and challenge friends, family, and rival players all for real money. And best of all, now it's every sport, every day you can get the app exclusively at SportHitters.com. sport hitters challenge on
1: all right thanks for sticking around we're back well let's go to the nfl and we are on the verge of playoff season and for once in a very very long time and i think you know where this is going you guys can see my 1957 detroit lions replica jersey that i'm wearing right now the lions are part of this conversation i mean ish but i mean like, dumb
3: and dumber. So you say there's a chance. Mm. <laughs> well, I would have felt better about their opportunities if the Seahawks had lost to the Jets this week. But I was surprised they smoked the Jets.
1: Or if the Lions would have taken care of business on their own and beat Carolina.
3: Yeah, right. That was brutal, too.
1: Right. So basically what we're faced with, and again, I'm going to temper this by saying, We're just grateful to be here because all three of us said, if they get to 500, we're going to have a parade down Woodward Avenue. But they're better than that now. So, well, they are at 500 right now. So for the Lions to get in the playoffs, Seattle has to lose and the Lions have to win. Now, if Seattle wins and Green Bay wins, then subject over, Green Bay's in. So the percentages, if you're looking at percentages, Green Bay has a higher percentage than the Lions or the Seahawks of getting that seventh spot. Yeah, and they're playing at home. So, And Green Bay is playing at home, and so is uh, Seattle, right? I believe so, yeah. Okay, and who is Seattle playing? They're playing the Rams, the I believe. The Rams, Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now, here's a conversation that can be talked about at any sports bar this weekend. Would you rather see the Rams beat the Seahawks, so the Lions get in the playoffs this year, or Rams lose and get a better draft position so that the Lions from the Matthew Stafford trade get a better draft position. And I'll go to Junko first. What's your
3: opinion? So the future is always right now for every NFL team because you don't know what your roster is going to look like next year, right? Again, we talked about the roster composition earlier this year and the fact that basically have 50-something guys And that's always changing over. So when you start playing that game about building for the future, that's tricky. I always say if you have an opportunity to get in the playoffs, you do it. So if I have a choice between having the Rams beat the Seahawks and if the Lions can somehow beat the Packers, I'm taking that scenario. I want the Lions to win.
2: Okay. Dane? Yeah, I would agree. I think you got to go to the playoffs. You know, you've got one of your goals when you start the season, Mm -hmm. and you know, hey, that would be what three playoffs in the last thirty-two years or so. (laughs) So uh, you know, one per decade—that's strong percentage, right? Yeah. Now you know the way it's actually going to play out, right? Probably will end up with a higher draft choice. and uh, <laughs> But what has that done for us over the years? Well, not that's just it. It's just, yeah, exactly. I mean, we,
3: we got Jeff Okuda to show for that. We got Decker, we got Swift. Yeah. I mean, look at that. I mean, some of the picks that we made. Not to say that DeAndre Swift is a bust, but he's not a every down workhorse back. Okuda is certainly not a shutdown corner. Decker is an average NFL left tackle. You know, they traded off TJ Hawkinson. Again, Mm, for what? I mean, for not a lot. Yeah, again, maybe if you're a great team with a great draft history, maybe that draft pick's more valuable than with the Lions, who have not necessarily done a very good job selecting some of their players in the past.
1: I would have to say that draft picks are always prospects. They're just that. I mean, you don't know how they're going to turn out, regardless of where you're drafting. And then you got to trust the Lions' brain trust that they know what they're doing, and maybe Brad Holmes does, but let's just have a lot of fun now and root for them to get in the playoffs, and yeah. that's all I'm saying is, like, we'll see what happens with Seattle, and then win the game, take care of business against Green Bay, and we'll have some fun with it, but yeah, yeah I, they, they're as far as things that need to happen, the Lions are probably the third team of possibility in that scenario, so I really think that Seattle's going to end up
3: winning. I, I'll pick the Lions in Lambo. I'll do it. And yeah. then, uh, then Seattle's in the playoffs. I think Detroit's got a reasonable chance of beating Green Bay, but I, I'm with you, Bob. I don't see the Seahawks losing to the Rams at all. Right.
1: So we get a win. We get a, a nine and eight season, and right. we get a better draft pick. So listen, from one and six where they were, I think we're doing okay.
3: Well, and I think if we go back to the beginning of the season, too. I don't know. I think I picked them to win four or five games. I don't remember. Weren't you guys something around there, too? Weren't you guys we six, were six? six? We were six. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, come on. Hey. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, they were three in uh, whatever last year, right? So, uh, yeah, three and 13. Yeah. So we said, hey, well, if they double it, You know, the wins, that'd that'd be great. So,
1: you know, anybody other than Detroit fans would be, wow, what low expectations these
2: guys have. (laughs) (laughs) But we are Lions fans, and we do have low expectations. (laughs) We are born of low expectations. (laughs) Uh, We have to, otherwise we would put a knife through our hearts long uh, ago, right? Well, Junko, let me ask you, Seattle's a a
3: six-and-a-half-point favorite. Would you take the six? Seattle's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they cover,
1: yeah. Okay. All right. Yes, they're going to win with more than six. So yeah. Okay.
2: So are the right. the Broncos really that bad? I mean, the Rams beat up on the Broncos last week, big time. Uh so, Broncos are pretty bad. Uh, they're <laughs>
3: bad. Yeah, they are bad. <laughs>
2: and the Rams have gotten beat up pretty bad. So I don't. Yeah, I, I think Seahawks. They're Good. playing well.
1: Yeah. Well, we're putting away Christmas decorations now, so we're putting away the college football season, just like the Christmas decorations, and we're opening up a brand new box of college basketball. Hey. <laughs> so why don't you guys tell us about where Michigan and Michigan State stand in the B1G conference?
3: Yeah, I'll start. I'll start with uh Michigan. So Michigan started their conference play this past Sunday with a nice win over Maryland. It was actually a very dominating win. A dominating win. Yeah. They they came out and they played hard from the start of the whistle and and got it was a you know actually a very convincing win over a not very good Maryland team, let's be honest even though they had won nine games already. My only question to Michigan is, where's that been all season? Mm-hmm. And where was that effort against Central? And they've had opportunities, too. They had North Carolina down early. They could have won that yeah. game. Kentucky. They could have beat Kentucky, yeah. right? But yeah. here we are now, and we're getting into the conference season. Michigan still doesn't have a signature win. And they got a bad loss at Central Michigan. So I don't know. If I look ahead, I, I ask myself, is this a playoff? Team will they get into the NCAA tourney? Uh, well, I mean, what do you think, Dane? Hey, they're tied for first right now in the Big Ten, Bubba, two and
1: zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, if, if they do well, right? If they do well in the Big Ten, if they do well in their conference, Michigan is Michigan, and they're a marquee name. And I, I think they I get think,
2: in. Yeah, I think this upcoming game against Penn State will tell us a lot. I think that's uh, tomorrow night. You know, Penn State's two and one; they're eight and one overall. They're playing pretty well. We'll see what happens. Uh, interesting, Purdue lost last night to Rutgers. Yeah, I saw that. Wow, that's five sixty four. So that that was surprising. Yeah. So I think when you get into Big Ten play, it's another one of those seasons of anyone can beat anyone at any time. And uh, so it'll be interesting. You talk about that box unwrapping that present, <laughs> that Big Ten present, and opening that box. I think it's a box of surprises, and uh, it's going to be an interesting season. So. When you look at everyone else's overall record in the top five, they're all, you know, 10 and two, 10 and three, eight and one, seven and one. We're eight and five. But I think records at this point don't mean a lot because you have to really look at who they played. And you look at Maryland and who they really played. I mean, they beat Miami, who was number 12, but they lost to Tennessee, UCLA, and Wisconsin. All the rest of the teams were cupcakes. So I think that's how they got their record to what it is.
3: Yeah. Hey, Dane. With Llewellyn out and Doug McDaniel in now at the point guard position, first of all, is that a good thing? And you know, how does that going to play out during the season for depth? How is Michigan going to deal with that?
2: Yeah, I think having Doug in there, he's come through and played pretty darn well in quite a few games, and then the, not so well in some others, kind of up and down like uh, Llewellyn. So I, I think at this point, a change is good. So I, I think it's
3: actually a good thing. What do you think? I really like Doug McDaniel. I mean, yeah. Is he playing like a freshman? Yeah. Does he have too many unforced turnovers? Yeah. Is he still taking questionable shots on occasion? Yes, he is. But he's getting better every game. And I think even with all his flaws as a true freshman, you know, in fact, that he hasn't had any body development or any of that, he's still a better guard than Llewellyn was showing yeah. that he, early in the season. So I think it's a good thing. But I think the loss of depth is a bad thing. I would have rather seen... Llewellyn come off the bench and give him a couple of minutes here and there. But unfortunately, that was, I'm not sure joan could have done that with the way that he attracted Llewellyn. When you're playing that portal transfer game, you got to make promises that you may not really want to live up to later. And I think <laughs> Llewellyn was, would have been one of those promises. You know, here's the other thing too. I think Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin are both playing at a pretty high level. And there's always, Hunter Dickinson's always there. I mean, can those guys get it done or do they need help or do they have enough help? I think Hunter's going to have to just take over each
2: game. Now he's going to, you know, he's going to get double and triple teamed and stuff, And but that should open somebody else up. So it you know, might open up jet for some three pointers or something, but Hunter, you know, the other night against Maryland, 32 points and 12 rebounds. So I'm pretty darn good. And I, I think he's going to have to show up big in just about every game from here on out. We're going to need him. Does he have enough assistance? Good question. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, and he was playing against an undersized (laughs) defender in that game, too. When he gets up against Purdue and and Zach Eady, you know, he's going to be the undersized guy, right? right. So we'll see how that that ends up playing out. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think Michigan's a tournament team right now. I know you and Bob seem to think that it will be. That'll be something for us to watch the rest of the season.
1: It is so cool because here I am just listening to this. And and I'll be honest, a lot of my attention doesn't shift over to, college basketball until the football season's over. I'm very myopic about things. I don't, I don't have the the wide spectrum of vision that you guys do. So, listening to this gets me all jazzed up to start watching some Big 10 basketball now. So, thank you for that. Now, what about the Spartans? Are they going to be in the mix this year? What's Tom Izzo up to?
3: Well, Izzo's up to his usual stuff, right? MSU's 9 and 4 and due to a very very difficult schedule early on, they've got signature wins over Kentucky, Villanova, and Oregon. And on that air carrier, they had a very close loss to Gonzaga. So they're one and one to Big Ten, right behind the University of Michigan, as Dane would point out, I'm sure, <laughs> with a win over Penn State and a head scratching loss to Northwestern. I don't know. I, I think MSU is a definite tourney team. I look at them, I think that they've got a good makeup of players. They're learning to play together. They've got some youth there. It's going to need some development. But I think in a guard-driven league like the Big Ten is, I think they've got two guards that when they play well, they win. And when they don't, they lose. Mm -hmm. But I think their guards are playing well more often than they're not. So I see them being in the chase for the Big Ten for the rest of the season. Now, that may be different than what Dane thinks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do agree with you. I mean, I I think both MSU and Michigan, I mean, it's, it's very early in the season and certainly very early in Big Ten play. Again, I think home team advantage is going to mean a lot in each of these games as it normally does. And yeah, guard play, I think for both teams are going to be key to where they go this year.
1: It's always fun to have two contending schools that are rivals. It's a lot of fun. It makes the basketball season a lot more entertaining.
2: And don't forget about the arch-arrival of uh, both, you know, Ohio's
3: doing pretty well. They're oh, doing yeah, three yeah. they two
2: yeah. and 2-0 in the Big Ten, so they're looking pretty good right now,
3: too. Junko, did you want to say something? I was just going to say Ohio State always fades. but oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was also going to say that uh, Hall is back for Michigan State, and I, to me, he's a big piece of what they do. I mean, Joey Hauser will step in once in a while and have a big game, but he's not very consistent. But Hall, when he's on his game, he might be the best player on that roster. So I'm glad that he's back with the team and I see him being a big boost to MSU's hopes this season.
1: Good. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready for this season. So even though they've been playing games, I mean, I'm I'm ready to start. Once the big (laughs) 10 season starts getting into gear, then it gets pretty interesting because it it means a little bit more, but I'm thanking you guys for keeping us apprised of all these events. So I want to thank all our listeners just to say, Hey, Season one is in the books. Now we're on to season two. We appreciate you. We appreciate the support. And how you do that is sharing our podcast. Just hit that share button. When you're on Facebook and you see our posts, share it. Also subscribe. That way we get our advertisers to say, hey, these guys are, are doing some good things. So uh, this is part of the Junko Bodie Productions. Thanks for listening to the Lowdown on Motown Sports Network. Thanks to you again. We'll catch you next time. Have a great week, everybody.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, then why don't you do us a solid and hit that follow button and share our podcast with fellow friends who love Motown sports. That helps others find the show. And you know, we're pretty awesome. So why not share the awesomeness? We appreciate it. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports podcast.